Hey, my name is Justin Pearson. I'm the pastor and planter of Restore Church here in Albuquerque, New Mexico in the International District. I am married with three kids, all very young. (laughs) I'm married with four kids of varying ages. It's some of them young, some of them old, all of them crazy. So Yes, I, I got that too. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, friends, and thanks for tuning in to Mission Chats. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors at First Baptist Church of West Albuquerque. On this episode of this limited series podcast, I'm joined by Justin Pearson, lead pastor and church planter at Restore Church in Albuquerque's International District. Together, we'll talk about planting churches in hard places and ministering to the people there with the hurts that are often seen and unseen with the hope and joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Justin, thanks for taking time to uh, come and sit down uh, and and chat a little bit about the ministry at Restored Church and how the Lord is using you and using the saints there uh, to reach really a hard part of town. Before we get into that part of our conversation, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our, our listeners by way of telling us how you came to be a Christian and how the Lord brought you to Albuquerque and to plant Restored Church. Yeah, for sure. So I believe Jesus saved me when I was pretty young, um, grew up in church, there when the the doors were open, my mom served in the kids ministry. But I, I um, you can have those questions about young salvations. But I believe Jesus truly did save me. Um, there was some straying in my life, uh, maybe a lack of discipleship, maybe just a lack of seriousness on my part. But growing up, Jesus proved Himself faithful. I went to college and wanted to see if the grass was greener on the other side. It's not. Um, <laughs> take it from me. Don't find out for yourself. Um, take it from me. But, um, yeah, God was faithful through all of that and just brought people in my life to call me to mm. faithfulness. People who would walk by me, uh, encourage me, challenge me, disciple me. A girl I was seeing, her mom gave me the book, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper the yeah. first day I met her. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, apparently that's just what she did. She that's gave, a good mom. She gave young that's a good men. Mom books. And so uh, I eventually read it after I got over the shock of what did you just give me? <laughs> um, but yeah, God was faithful in that. And in this in this process, um, I ended up back in Albuquerque, working a job up in Los Alamos, um, serving at a church uh, there in Al- here in Albuquerque, and then um, eventually going to seminary with a, with a call to do international missions. Um, I went off to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, where I met my wife. We had our first son out there. I was serving in the local church, at, and then we I was the deacon over international missions at our church, and we mm. sent ourselves overseas. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, we were in Lisbon, Portugal for about three years. Okay. Um, it was a really rough season. There was a yeah. lot of beautiful things that God did, a lot of beautiful things that we got to experience, but yeah. it was. It was just a really rough season for us. Mm. Um, but God is faithful in that, uh, brought us back to the States, and we we landed for a short time in Colorado, but um, that proved to be just a temporary stopover mm-hmm. as we were mm-hmm. transitioning off the mission field. Um there was an opportunity with the pastor that I had worked with um, before going to seminary. Um, We had been praying, where were we going to end up? Um, And literally I was, we were looking at Albuquerque. My family's from here. I'm from here. Um, 
and I was praying over a map of Southeast Albuquerque. Mm. I just, I know the need. I have a burden for the need up and down Southeast Albuquerque. There's different needs, but it's, it's so much a a gospel need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was literally praying over opportunities over a map of Southeast Albuquerque. And that week, uh, the pastor I'd worked with previously posted about uh, a building they'd been given rent-free and utilities-free for mm-hmm. a number of years. And I reached out. I was like, okay, well, where where is that? And it was literally right where I had been praying over that week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so started talking and praying and pursuing that. And um, yeah, so we ended up pursuing that and moved here back here three years ago tomorrow from when we're recording oh, wow. this. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, beautiful timing of March of 2020. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you move, you move here and then everything immediately, you move here to start a church and then everything yeah. immediately shuts down because of COVID and one week later. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God in his providence has reasons for things that we may never understand. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, for those who who may be listening and and maybe don't know Albuquerque as well, uh, Route old Route sixty six uh, joins up with a street in in Albuquerque called Central, and from uh, from about I forty no sorry I twenty five or so uh, east to the mountains that stretch of of route, old Route sixty six that stretch of Central is uh, is kind of rough it goes through downtown and. Um, and there's some spots that are okay along the way that the University of New Mexico is nearby, and, and there's some spots that are all right. But there are other parts that are just – they're difficult. Uh, closer to downtown, uh, uh, further uh, west along Route 66, there's always been um, a fair bit of uh, uh, a presence of, of homelessness and, and, and drug use and other things. Of course, all the, all the bars and stuff are located down in that area. The bus station is down there too, and of course we know just how – um, usually homeless populations will tend to gather around those areas, but then even moving further, further East, there's a number of difficult, um, just spots along the way, uh, where you're at the, the social difficulty, if we can put it that way, social challenger may not be so much homelessness, but other problems, um, being in a hard place. What are some of the things that you see every day and are having to think about having to think about in, in terms of impacting your community or how do we minister to this need? How do we meet that need? What, what's life like in the international district? Yeah. Um, yeah. The international district actually, uh, you mentioned the, the homelessness. It's, it's right in our face every day. Yeah. Um, people camping out uh, right off of central, right mm-hmm. where we are um, in neighborhoods next to fence. We just see it everywhere. And so that right. is, one of the things that's right in our faces. Um, and as we've connected with um, some of the, the people that are in that circumstance, we see that it's so multifaceted. There's so many different layers to it. Um, connected with people who, um, when they're when they're sober, mm-hmm. because drugs and, and alcohol are just a huge issue where we are, addiction. Uh, but when they're sober, they might, be hearing voices. And so mm-hmm. there's mental illness issues mm-hmm. that we've seen. But that's in 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 the transient population. Um, yeah. There's, we see dealers and users. Mm-hmm. Um, we took a college team and we were walking out giving food this last summer and we walked by the bus stop. 
So not like somewhere hidden. We were walking by the bus stop right there on Central, just east of us. And it was like, oh, hey, if you haven't seen someone smoke meth, now you have. Um, And so addiction, uh, mental illness, homelessness, that's um, that's a huge like in-your-face problem that we see. Um, But then behind the scenes of all that is um, we have a lot of low-income housing and then just a lot of people – First or second generation immigrants. It is. It's called the International District for a reason. Mm-hmm. It is the most diverse neighborhood in the whole state. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, so it's it's this whole mix of of people who are trying to make a life for themselves in another mm-hmm. country. They're trying to just have a place, a house that they can afford. Yeah. Um, mixed with all the people passing through mm-hmm. um, to buy their drugs to to have a place to stay, you know, just camping right there. And and it's just this big mix right in our our neighborhood. Yeah. I think one of the, the stats was that over 40% of the people in the international district live below the federal poverty line. It okay. might be more now. I think yeah. that was like 2018 and so oh, okay. COVID might have made that a lot, a lot worse. worse. Yeah. 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 Um I was talking to someone at the Rocket Noonday mm-hmm. and they were talking about how the homeless population has probably gone up by at least 10%. And we've seen it. Okay. Yeah. And that's in the whole city, but we've yeah. seen it in our neighborhood as yeah. well. It may be 10% yeah. in the whole city, but that 10% may be concentrated yeah. m- more in certain areas. Than yeah. 10%. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Like you said, around the bus stop and then yeah. where we are for yeah. sure. So w- one thing that I'm kind of acutely aware of is uh, the difference in our ministry contexts. Y- you live and minister in the international district, which for those who are, who are, are listening uh, and, and maybe wonder, where's the international district? But if you've been in Albuquerque, you might know it better as the war zone. That's, mm-hmm. how we used, that's what it used to be called uh, sort of informally before they formally yeah. called it something else to <laughs> try to give it a better name. It's, yeah. a, hard, it's a hard part of town. Mm-hmm. Um, you live and minister there. I live and minister in the suburbs uh, on the west side of town where, you know, a uh, 45, 50 years ago, a lot of people moved because housing was cheaper and it was away from some of those things. We we're in very different, very different contexts. And so I'm, I'm just acutely aware of that. And as I was sharing uh, before we started recording, I was talking with a friend of mine and we were talking about some of these, just some of these social problems and, uh, and, and my friend, and maybe rightly so, um, uh, he said, Man, you're just you're just a NIMBY, right? A not in my backyarder, right? Yeah. That's that's NIMBYism. And and I'm aware of that. Like some some of the 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 homelessness issue and 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 of course coming with that is is drug abuse or drug use and other things like that. It's moving to the west side of town too. We just we see it a lot more uh like a lot of larger cities do. Um and I'm aware of that there, there is that thing that um cuz I've got young kids like you do. That thing in me that's like I don't I don't know if I feel very safe here. Um, man, for people like me who, who are in that place of tension where, where you're going, I, I know I need to reach out to the least and the lost. And, and many of these people are among them. How, how have you developed, uh, a compassion, an understanding for where people like that are? How, how do you and, and your church members get past that initial, uh, I don't know, that initial friction, I guess, uh, of, of wanting to have, like, you want to have a safe place, you want to have a, you know, a nice cared for church, you want to feel safe walking to church, things like that. 
but you also know that there are people with extreme need right next to you. How do you work through that? Yeah, uh, that's that's a big question and issue, especially for where we are. Um, just to be clear, we don't live specifically in the International District. Okay. We're about seven to ten minutes away on okay. Louisiana Straight Shot, but out of it a little bit. But I so I see that like. Mm-hmm. Um, even where we live, which is just outside of it, just the other side of I-40 from it, um, the homeless uh, population is spread there as mm-hmm, well. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's strange because in, you think like, oh yeah, it's, it's going to be in the international district, mm-hmm. but then you see it by your house and, yeah, and it, it's, it's, I mean, it's disorienting shocking, sometimes. disorienting. Yeah. 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 Um, like on the, the person camped out on the Arroyo right by our house and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, mm-hmm. Okay, it's 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 everywhere now, mm-hmm. and I think um, for me, I think it starts with having the intentionality that that this is this is where God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it the other day, and and it, you asked me about the my heart for that neighborhood, yeah, and and it really does I think flow out from from what Jesus. What it says about Jesus in in Matthew nine and, and Luke ten about Jesus's heart for for the people, mm-hmm. and he it it says that he looked out on this crowd with compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, um, and that's just been a burden that God has given me for for people, and it's it's not always it's not always easy to keep that compassion Yeah. Um, when you're cleaning up the parking lot mm-hmm. at, um, on Sunday mm-hmm. from whatever, whoever camped there the night before and whatever they've left behind, which yeah. Yeah. can be pretty shocking as uh-huh. well. Um, it's hard sometimes to keep that compassion and, and see that these people are, they're hurting and they're broken and there's there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong in their life for them yeah. to be in this position. Yeah. Um, I was saying to my friend yesterday as, as we were talking, it's like n- nobody wakes up one day and decides, I want to be homeless today. Right. right. It, it it doesn't happen that way. No. You know, and, and there are usually one, two, three, a number of cascading causes to that. And and it may start with just losing a job at at a bad time when you're living paycheck to paycheck and you can't make rent. Yeah. And and now all of a sudden you got to figure something out. And then and then that can just spiral down into all sorts of other things and and um as as my friend and I were talking to we were we were also recognizing that the way into homelessness or the things that cause homelessness or drug abuse or whatever, the things that, that you see every day, the way out of that is not just to undo or fix the things that led into it. The the way out of homelessness uh, the way out of drug abuse is not to just find a place to live. Right. It's not to just stop using drugs. There are other emotional, spiritual things going on there as well that need to be addressed. Um, so you're planning a church in this uh, very diverse, uh, hard, hard to hard to reach uh, part of the city. Um, it, it could be easy to be discouraged by a lot of the things that you see, and uh, and I think most people would understand that. But what are you particularly encouraged by? How how is the Lord, you know, sustaining you in ministry? What has he given you joy about? What are what are some successes that you've seen recently that that make you go, yeah, that that's why we're here. Yeah. Um 
some of the encouraging things, um, I think there, there's a few, and it's been some partnerships that we've developed um, in the area, even with just uh, small ministries that are that are meeting more physical needs. Yeah, um, we came in there. We're we're a small church, and we knew that we couldn't come in and and do everything. Mm-hmm. We can't. We don't have the capacity to be a a closed closet of food pantry and all of that. And maybe we'll grow into that one day. Mm -hmm. But we also knew that there are a handful of ministries already doing that in the neighborhood. Yeah. And so we were able to uh, to find some to partner with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and through that, and it's all slow work, but Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen people come to faith. Mm as we've been able to just partner and serve our community. Um, and so, so it's, it's those partnerships and just starting to, to make connections. I was walking through the neighborhood yesterday, um, just had a little time. And so I was, I was walking and, and praying and I saw some people that I'd connected with through there. I didn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't known where they lived, but they were just sitting outside their apartment. I was like, Hey, Richard and Leona. Yeah. There you are. It's great to see you. I, this is where you live. Awesome. Yeah, good. Um and so that was really cool and just to like be starting to feel like as slow and as hard as it has been because it has been slow and it has been hard that um people are starting to recognize us and uh-huh. like that uh-huh. we're actually building some of these roots. Yeah. And people are coming to faith. It's it's slow but um and small but but one one life transformed. Praise God for mm-hmm, that, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. those are some of the things that have been really encouraging. Yeah, that's great. Um, what are the things? Uh, is there a success? Is there a life transformed? A story that's worth sharing um, that would be an encouragement to those that are listening who are thinking like, I I don't know if I could ever minister in that part of town. I don't know why I'd want to do it. Um, is there a story of life transformed that that you would say to a hesitant believer to go to a place like the International District? Um, you should go because things like this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say, like, I get it, the, the International District. It's an intimidating place to be. Mm. Um, but besides some broken windows, we've mm. never had a problem. I've never been threatened. Mm. Mm. Um, someone came up to me and, and said some crazy things in the midst of whatever was going on in his mind. But that's been, like, the worst of it. Never yeah. been threatened. Never never felt afraid in that way. Mm. Obviously I'm wise when I'm walking around. I keep my head up. I, I know where to go and and Mm -hmm. I usually try to be with people when that's possible. Yeah. But, um, we've never had, we've never had any real problem. And so yes, it's, it can be an intimidating place, but, Mm. um, it's probably not as scary as everyone thinks it is. (laughs) Um, I've had like college students talk to me and they're like, yeah, yeah, you're in the war zone. I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, but uh, one one story that I can think of that's been particularly encouraging is the story of Sarah. Mm. That's not her real name, mm. um, but that's the name we all know her by. Um, okay. She's in. She's coming out of a very difficult. She's in the midst of a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met her through a, a ministry that that gives out food and clothes, and they do a big. Um, food distribution the fourth Wednesday of every month. And I I met this the people from this ministry on a Tuesday, and they said, tomorrow's our big thing if you want to come by. Yeah. And so I was like, 
well, I got time. I'll come by. Um, and so I came and I went and I helped and I passed out food and someone introduced me as Pastor Justin. Mm. And she's like, oh, you're a pastor? Well, I have questions. Mm. I was like, well, okay. So she asked a couple then. Um, she said, yeah, but I, I don't believe any of that stuff. Like mm. I've heard it, but mm-hmm. I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And so when I met Sarah, she was an atheist with questions. Mm-hmm. She didn't believe in God, but she'd heard a lot. She had questions. And, um, and so periodically it took a little while to, to connect again. Um, but we were able to slowly connect and she would ask questions and I would answer and I gave her some resources. She was willing to, to read some things that I had given her. Yeah. Um, and just through, through this, uh, connection and, and prayer, um, she started coming to church. Mm. Um, she still had questions. She still said, I, I didn't really believe it, but within the span of five months, maybe, Mm. Um, with not very like in-depth connection, we'd had some text conversations, some conversations over the phone. I, um, met with her in person some, right, with that ministry and, um, Jesus saved her. Mm. She went from, from an atheist with questions and she had seen like in COVID, she said, yeah, the, the Christians, I didn't believe it, but, but they all had more hope. Like they knew something was, even if something bad happened, like they had hope. Mm. And she said, I don't believe it, but I want that. Mm. And so, so I got to share with her the good news of Jesus, the hope Mm. in Jesus. And she started coming to church and she started reading the Bible. And, um, she said one Sunday after church, so she had come and listened and then she was at home and she was reading in John 16 and 17. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, Jesus was, she said, Jesus was was preparing his followers for him to be gone. Mm. She, she just saw like his love for them in that. Mm. Like, take heart. Uh, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. And he said, and she said that that was Jesus caring for these guys, yeah. right? And then she read John seventeen, mm-hmm. and it was um, her praying or him praying for the disciples. Yeah, but then. Jesus prays, not just for them, but those who would come after. Yeah. And she said, in that moment, I had never felt this before, but mm. but that was Jesus praying for me. Yeah, yeah. Jesus saved her that night. That's and it's crazy. beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and she lives right in our neighborhood. Um, and she's, she, yeah, she's still in the midst of a really difficult situation, but she's learning yeah. and she's growing and she's excited and she has lots of questions yeah yeah and she's and it's so great because it's encouraging for the rest of us to sure. think through the questions that she has that maybe we've assumed over yeah, the years take for granted yeah. yeah and then she has just this this perspective of like share this with atheists mm, like yeah i was i was one of them and and we need to hear we need to keep hearing and then live it out right yeah. uh-huh. because it was it was her her watching believers Mm -hmm. who had hope in a very scary circumstance, right? Like the last few years have been very trying and we haven't, Christians haven't handled it all perfectly. We all know that, right? But Mm -hmm. um, whoever she was watching, they had hope instead of fear and, and hope in a, in a God who is holding us in his hand. And, and that led her to ask and seek and Mm -hmm. Jesus saved her. And so that's just a, 
a big story that's fairly recent that, yeah. that is that, very encouraging that's amazing. for us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think of uh, John 13, by this all men will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and of course we see, and, and I think of, of first Peter, uh, one, uh, um, God who's caused us to uh, be born again to a living hope yeah. uh, that is imperishable, unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. Uh, those, those kind, the, the way that believers care for one another and the way that we live in a, a trying and difficult world speaks volumes to those who don't believe about, uh, I want to choose my words carefully here, speaks volumes uh, uh, about what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do for one another and, and in the, in, in a, in a hard, in a trying world. Um, and, and she saw that in some faithful brothers and sisters somewhere and yeah. thank God for them. Thank mm-hmm. God for them that they're, that they're not, you know, not falling prey to, to, uh, to, to fear and all the insecurity and uncertainty of, of what was going on in that period. But instead those faithful believers pressed into Christ and were living out what Jesus promises to give us and yeah. and that was compelling to her to at least want to ask a question. Now of course that, that their example may not have been the thing that brought her to Christ, but it was the thing that made her go I, I think I'm missing something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good encouragement for mm-hmm. for all of us wherever we live. Um and 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 the reality too that, that you don't have to live uh, or work or minister in a hard place to be around hard and hurting people. Yeah. Uh, I think of some of the neighbors on my street um, who are uh, kind, caring, compassionate folks, um, but who aren't believers. And, yeah. and, and they have hurts, they have struggles, um, they have cancer too, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so me living my life in an intentional, joyful, hope-filled way uh, and caring for them, but also uh, letting them know why I live, why I am the way that I am, uh, is, uh, um, that in itself has, has, adds, adds credibility, I think, to our gospel witness. Oh, yeah. Uh, later on. Um, I think that's such an important perspective to have. We look at like the difficulty of my area, and yes, mm-hmm. yes, there's a lot of physical need. There's a lot of people hurting. Mm-hmm. But in other areas where there's not, it's not as visible, mm-hmm. it's just masked better, right? Yeah, we yeah. just hide it behind four walls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so there's still people hurting mm-hmm. and over and above all of it, there's people that are lost and dying without Jesus. Yeah. And that's the, that's the biggest need. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're in the international district or whether you're on the West side of Albuquerque yeah. is that, that there's people that don't know Jesus. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and the effects of not knowing Jesus are, um, they're in, they're visible in lots of ways. Yeah. Um, uh, my wife has has worked and volunteered uh, on and off in different capacities uh, at the school that our uh, that our our kids go to public school nearby. And um, uh, when she was working there full time in the front office, uh, she would come home every week with an with another story of some horrible thing that was going on in some child's life. Mm-hmm. Every single and and so we're we're here in you know a suburb. It's a pretty nice area. It's not the nicest part of town, but it's a pretty nice part of town. And you don't see those kinds of things when you're just driving through the neighborhood. Um, but when police are showing up at the school to make sure that this or that parent doesn't pick up this or that kid, 
when um, uh, when CYFD uh, uh, shows up to do an investigation because uh, um, a report was made of a suspicion of, of, of abuse of a child in one form or another. When you see those things every week, you start to realize that there's a lot of stuff I don't see on the surface, and there's a lot of things uh, simmering just below. Um, and, um, and, and it kind of, it, it has, um, it's, it's certainly opened my eyes a, a lot to see, okay, this, and, and this is a neighborhood I grew up in too, which is so, which is, it's, it's kind of disorienting for me, um, to go like, uh, the neighborhood I grew up in is, uh, or maybe the neighborhood I saw growing up is not the neighborhood I actually live in. Um, right. people are good at putting up a, a front, mm-hmm. um, to hide a lot of, a lot of stuff beneath. So, um, how, how, how would you encourage maybe believers at a, at a at a church like ours where the need isn't as visible? How would you encourage us to 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 be looking? Uh, does that make sense? Like what what sort of things can we look for? What should we be paying attention to to be able to see those harassed and helpless sheep without a shepherd? You know, to to see that that there are significant spiritual needs. What what things can we look out for? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily what you're looking for. Mm. Maybe just. Um, who you are and how you're intentional with it. Mm. So um, this goes for every church, but we see it in the in the Western suburban church. The ideal is we put on a good face. Mm-hmm. We're happy, mm-hmm. too blessed to be stressed, brother, mm. um, and all of that. And but we're dying inside. Yeah, we don't we don't want to put that. We don't want to let people in. And so I think a big part of this is. Is first letting our brothers and sisters in Christ in because we're mm-hmm. called to build each other up. Yeah. But as we live that out together, that's when we get to we get the opportunity to show our love for each other. Mm-hmm. When we're real with each other, when we're not hiding our struggles and our hurts, mm. and people are going to see that around us. Um, but even in that situation, uh, beyond that, then then we build relationships. Yeah. We we don't hide in our holy huddles. But we see the people around us. We get to know our neighbors. Mm-hmm. We get to know our, our kids, classmates, and their parents. We we connect with those people and we're gonna run into the brokenness. Yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna show up. And mm-hmm. if we're real with those people, then they're gonna be real with us. And even sometimes if we're not, when they hear, Oh, you're the Christian, well, let me just open up to you because you're the Christian. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe I get that more because I'm the pastor, but I feel like a lot of people, oh, you're you're a Christian. Let me open up to you anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah. when we're more comfortable uh, being real with our hurts, even with our brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. and then receiving the comfort of the Holy Spirit through our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we're more equipped to go out to our neighbors um, and love them in that way and point them to the hope that we have through this Savior who has comforted us, who has yeah. loved us in our brokenness as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I so appreciate just what you said there in terms of um, learning to be open with our other brothers and sisters and, and learning to trust other believers with the hard um, and maybe sometimes ugly things yeah. in, in our own life. Uh, that um, uh, as we were talking, I was talking in another podcast with uh, some friends at a uh, uh, crisis uh, pregnancy home here yeah. nearby, uh, you know them too, Casa yeah. de Mariposa. Yeah. I was talking with Doug, and and um, and in their ministry, they have to have uh, and foster a similar sort of environment where where women in crisis know that 
casa is is a place where it's okay to not be okay, but we don't want you to stay there. Yeah. We don't want you to stay in a place that's not okay. We want to help you move forward toward spiritual wholeness in Christ, spiritual healing, and 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 then beyond spiritual healing, to uh, addressing some of those physical th- things, physical needs in your life yeah. as well. Um, and, and I I long for the day uh, where um, where where our churches, especially uh, where I pastor, where, where we're really comfortable. We, we say it. I don't know if we're comfortable with it yet, uh, but where we can really mean, like, it's okay if you're not okay today. Let's let's walk toward Jesus together in that. Um, uh, let's be able to be open and honest and vulnerable, because uh, I think it's true. I think, um, I think Christians hide. Uh, we do really good at, at hiding a lot of the things that are just beneath the surface that are maybe eating us up, killing us inside. And will not ever really be prepared uh, to care for for non-believers who have those things going on until we know how to care for each other. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know that we'll be, um, we'll be trustworthy helpers in the world, if that makes sense, if, if, or, or be seen as trustworthy helpers in the world if our own brothers and sisters don't see us as trustworthy helpers yeah. you know, toward the Lord anyway. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm going to shift gears a, a little bit from you know talking about church and hard places to maybe just church planting. Um, man, why would you ever want to start a church from the ground up? <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good. It question. sounds like a lot of work to me, man. Yeah, and it is. Um, you know, but we. I think it's biblical. <laughs> that's that's the first uh, yeah. first and foremost, right? We see. Uh, the church, mm-hmm. we're, we're called to go and make disciples of all nations, yep. baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. That's welcoming them into a community yeah, and then teaching them that that process of discipleship, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's, that's what the church does. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of places where there are not churches mm-hmm. or where there are churches that are church in name only, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, so it's biblical. And then we see what what did Paul do? He went out, sent by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he went out and he proclaimed the gospel. And then everybody that he that got saved in a city, mm-hmm. they got organized into a local church. Yeah. And then he went back and he strengthened them and he sent Timothy and he sent his helpers to go um, to go help and and lead and raise up leaders. But it was all in the context of local church. He gathered them into local churches. And so for me, um, the gospel is the hope of the world, right? Mm-hmm. We, we want to, we want to love people holistically. And so that means meeting other needs, physical needs, but the gospel, if, if we're, if we, if we have everything that we physically need, but we don't have Jesus we're we're still going to hell, right? Yeah. Um. And so the the gospel is the open ultimate need, and so seeing uh, a gospel need, um, is is what drove that compassion that I talked about from uh-huh. from Matthew and from Luke. Um, it's what drove that compassion in my heart, and mm-hmm. so to see a place where there are, there are churches, and and we don't have the mm-hmm. we don't have the corner on the gospel, right? We're not no, the only stupid. ones, yeah. but um, just to see a place where there is such an obvious physical need yet yes but underneath that such an obvious need for jesus and hope in the gospel um and so 
so that that's why mm-hmm. um, the 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 biblical mandate, the biblical model, and then just seeing what what the ultimate need is. And yeah. that's the gospel. Yeah, praise yeah. God. Yeah, I uh, um, love to use that that just that turn of phrase. We don't we don't have a corner on the gospel, but we're just trying to um, or a corner on on gospel ministry, where we're just trying to do the best with what God has given to us where we are. Um, I, I feel the same way here, and. Um, and, and the way that that kind of comes out in me, uh, is, uh, is that we regularly pray for other churches, uh, uh, Bible believing, Jesus loving gospel preaching churches, uh, in Albuquerque and around the state on a regular basis. And, and I'm regularly praying that, that the Lord would enable us to, uh, to, to plant a church out of ourselves as, as well. Um, maybe prayerfully well, somewhere in Albuquerque where there is need for a church, you know, it might yeah. be close by, uh, but at the same time, if you have to drive five miles to, to, you know, to go to church on a Sunday, um, that's, that's not an insignificant barrier. I mean, I know we, we, we drive places all the time, whatever, but five miles is still five miles. And yeah. if I could drive two miles to go to church, mm-hmm. um, or if I could walk down the street to be a part of a church and, a min- and, and, you know, and, yeah. and plug into a, a hub for ministry to my community, that's a lot yeah. more convenient. And that's even uh, like a real suburban idea because yeah. in my part of town, mm-hmm. mobility is such a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. not everybody has a car. Not yeah, everybody has right. a car that runs. Yeah. They have to rely on the bus schedule, mm-hmm. which... Or they got to be able to walk or ride yeah, a bike there if they have exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. to have more local churches yeah. anywhere. I was listening to another podcast recently and they were asking this pastor about competition in his yeah, area. Yeah. And he, he used the phrase, and I just loved it. He said, we're all just ants trying to eat an elephant. There's yeah. room for everyone. Yeah, that's right. That's right? right. If you're faithfully proclaiming the gospel, let's do it, mm-hmm. and let's do it together, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, uh, the, the reality, I think, is always true, that the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are always few. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter how many churches you have in in a particular city the harvest will always be plentiful and the workers will always be few yeah uh and so uh so we need to we must pray to the lord of the harvest to send more workers yes uh, and 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 that includes to to plant more gospel outposts in in the form of local churches um we have growing communities uh here on the west side of albuquerque even further west than we are mm-hmm. where a lot of people are moving and and there's you know the, there's like even uh, almost more houses than there are people somehow yeah. um <laughs> and uh but it's a thing and um and and i i think of one uh, one particular area that's not too far from us and there's one gospel presence in that in that neighborhood um there's there are some other Houses of faith that I would not call Christian uh, yeah. or believing, where the the gospel as we understand it is is not being proclaimed, yeah. um, but but maybe only one actual gospel presence. I'm thinking, man, there's a right. lot of people there, yeah, who who need Christ, uh, who need the the love and care, discipleship that comes through uh, a local church, and um, and so whether it's there or somewhere else in town or somewhere else in the state, I, I pray that God would make us able to plant a church also. Um, Justin, let's say somebody's listening to this and they are really interested in what you're doing at, at Restore Church and would maybe like to come alongside. Are there avenues for believers in Albuquerque to do that? What What would be the best way that uh, churches, Christians could come alongside and support the work uh, there at Restore Church? Yeah, um, this is my 
my common answer since the mission field. Yeah. But um, there's there's a, a few different ways that that we would love your support. The first is prayer. Mm. We believe that this is a holy spiritual work. Salvation is the work of God, and so yeah. is church planting. Uh, Psalms says, if the Lord doesn't build the house, the laborers labor in vain. This is a work of God that we get to go along with. And so please, we covet your prayers, mm. um, your your consistent, fervent prayers for, for the work that we're doing. Because where, while church planting is not easy anywhere, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely not easy where we are. Um, and we, we, we do. We come up against a lot of obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other ways uh, to support uh, giving, whether mm-hmm. that's financially, giving of some of your time to come and help and serve. We have people that come in from other churches that have helped in our kids' ministry or helped lead worship um, or just when we're doing an outreach event, um, come and come and connect with people with us. Yeah. Um, or go, come, come and join us. Maybe mm. God is calling you um, to come and come and be a part of our church. Um, yeah. And so, pray, give, and go. We, we, yeah. The 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 harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Um, and so we, that's our that's our prayer is that yeah. the Lord would send workers into the harvest. And maybe that's maybe that's you. Mm-hmm. Now I know that uh, we've had a, a couple of our church members have visited and worshiped with you guys recently and yeah. and it was kind of convenient for them because we worship on Sunday mornings uh, but you all have uh, your worship service on Sunday afternoons is yes. that right yeah, yeah so in the afternoon so it's not impossible for someone to maybe even maintain their 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 home church membership and serve in their home church but also uh, consider making it a uh, taking on uh, the the international district is their own personal mission field and yeah, worshiping definitely. with you on 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 Sunday afternoons and serving and supporting the work there and helping it to grow. Um, yeah. I know of uh, we have a few members in our church over the years who have who have been the kind of people that give their lives to starting new churches mm-hmm. uh, and they're just like, well there's a new work over there so we're gonna join it, help it grow and be healthy and then we're gonna find another one and we're gonna help them grow and be healthy and I'm so grateful for saints like that oh, who, that's beautiful who have yeah just that call of God on their life and they're not church planters but they're like church they, they've been like church planting supporters right they're, they're people who who just see like here's a need there's a pastor that's doing hard work or a group of people that's doing hard work we want to come in and lift them up uh, share that burden and when that place reaches a you know, when that body of Christ reaches a, a level of health we want to go and help somebody else and yeah. so there's opportunity to do that at restore church yeah and that is when people come in and and they say we heard about you from our church and mm-hmm. and we just wanted to see what God is doing here and we wanted to come worship with you yeah that's always so encouraging yeah for us yeah. as yeah. well yeah, yeah. Um, I might encourage some. Don't don't just go to Restore Church and be a looky loo to go see. <laughs> uh, go and really worship. Uh, yeah. Go and 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 really look for for opportunity to plug in and pray about God. Would you have me move my life here, or or you know make this my uh, my home for worship and, and Christian service? And um, that's a hard prayer to pray, I think. Um, but I think it's an important one. Yeah. Um, so uh, for those that are listening, just maybe plug. What, how can we get to know Restore Church a little bit better? Plug your website. Any yeah. of those kinds of things? Um, yeah, we have a website. It's restoreabq.com. And then uh, social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Also, restoreabq for both of those. Um, so you can follow us that way, um, learn a little bit more about us. Yeah. 
Awesome. Great. Great. Look forward to it. Um, uh, I told you, Justin, at a conference the other day that I like you. I really like you. I'm, uh, and, and I, I like and you I, too, Steve. I mean, <laughs> this, this podcast is going to devolve very quickly, but, um, but, but in all seriousness, I, I, um, uh, I'm so grateful that God has placed, uh, you in a hard part of town, um, because, uh, you love and proclaim, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ with all of the hope and joy that we have in Jesus. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for the presence of Restore Church in Albuquerque, um, not just in the International District, but in Albuquerque. And, uh, and that is, uh, as fellow pastors, we have those things in common. Um, yeah. It's just, man, it's a, it's a joy to know other pastors that, uh, that are just you know, like-minded. We want to be gospel people and, um, and, and point our our church members, but also our communities uh, to, to the hope that there is in Jesus. So yeah. grateful for you, brother. That's good. Thankful for Appreciate you, too. You. All Thank right, you. man. Thanks for your time. Thank you. This has been an episode of Mission Chats with First Baptist Church of West Albuquerque. For more information on our church, you can visit us at www.fbcwa.org.